whenever we meet someone, it's always like the most unexpected. And it's also not someone who we even imagined, right? Mm -hmm. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that was, a, I had a really big reaction. <laughs> yeah, Char Charlene, Charlene really wanted to marry a good looking guy. <laughs> right. Yeah, she always dreamed about that. Welcome back to Dear Shandy, listeners. Hello, Andy. Hello. How are you today? Good, good. Good, good, good. good. I feel like today's topic is particularly hot. Mm-hmm. Yes? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I polled our listeners, the Shandys, over on Instagram for questions around the topic of singledom mm -hmm. and being single with purpose and happiness, the response was honestly overwhelming, I've got to tell you. And so I'm so excited about our guest today because he is extremely qualified to help us delve into this topic. So our guest today is none other than John Kim, a licensed marriage and family therapist known as the angry therapist, beloved as the unconventional therapist who cuts the crap and tells it like it is. He's the founder of Tat Lab, a wellness app of self-betterment content and courses, as well as JRNI, a life coach training course. I don't know how this man does it all. He is the host of the Angry Therapist podcast and can be found on Instagram at the Angry Therapist. And last but certainly not least, he is the author of three books, 2017's The Angry Therapist, A No BS Guide to Finding and Living Your Own Truth. 2019's I Used to Be a Miserable Fuck, and the brand new single On Purpose. We're so excited to welcome John Kim with us today. Thank you for joining us. Thank, Thank you. you for, um, man, just you picking up my book means a lot to me because it actually means that <laughs> I'm glad that you have it in your hand. That's great. <laughs> well, you know, there's something about a hard copy book. I'm one of those yeah. people that's clinging on to the written word on paper. I she, guess. And I can, I can vouch for the fact that she did read it cover <laughs> to cover. I watched her do it. It happened. It was a, it was honestly a delightful read. Mm -hmm. I love how you write. It's, so colloquial. It just feels very conversational. Like you're talking to a friend. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. So John, we're going to get right into it because obviously the premise of the book is finding happiness outside of a relationship. You know, I, mm -hmm. it does seem like the focus is very much on everything's on hold until like my life will begin when I find this forever partnership. Right, right. What do you think the biggest mistakes are that people make when it comes to singledom and how we regard singledom? Oh, man, I think the first thing is and I don't even think it's our fault. I think it's conditioning. I think it's, you know, um, the whole happily ever after and then the quote unquote, the one it's uh, programming, advertising, you know, all that stuff. Um, we're, we're like we've been conditioned that um, if we're alone, it means that something is wrong with us or that we're not uh, complete and um, we need to find someone, find someone quick. So one of the mistakes people make is after a, a relationship ends or expires, um, they just try to find someone else as fast as they can. <laughs> you know, and, and I think if you if you have a pattern of doing that, then you're kind of um, you're not creating any um, opportunities to, to find yourself. So I think the, the growth soil is the richest after a breakup, if you're willing to look at it and process, you know, uh, examine the black box and all that. If you're not, and you're just trying to find someone else, um, then you, you miss a, such a huge, huge opportunity to, to work on yourself. Yeah. No, yeah. it's, I love how you word that the, the soil for growth. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that throughout the book and I love that. I love how it's the perfect image because it does feel like it is ripe. You know, it has so many nutrients in it, but a lot of people I don't think even bother 
what, what's the word I would planting <laughs> sewing <laughs> what's the one where you um hoeing hoeing <laughs> it's so hoeing. true <laughs> okay and then regarding mistakes people make when they're in a relationship do you think they also make mistakes <laughs> yeah I think when they're in a relationship uh they stop because they found someone they stop um you know doing the work right they drop the ball uh, they they let go of self care, taking care of themselves, and then it just you know over the the, the years sweats, and then it's like it just becomes super casual. Um, and I think there's a responsibility when you choose to love someone uh, to continue what you are working on when you met the person, or else it's false advertising. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. That is true, actually. It's happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's happened to both of us. Yeah. And I yeah. think it's, we can both, oh, do you think in our current relationship? No, 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 no. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> easy, easy, easy. Wow. Everything here is perfect. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. No, I can relate to that a lot. I can mm. say that I fell into that in past relationships. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like people like spend their whole lives trying to create an image of themselves that will fit what they want to achieve in a partner as mm -hmm. opposed mm -hmm. to just doing it because they want to do it. You right. know, there's different ways of looking at it, but I, I do feel like oftentimes I've had to check myself in my life where I'm like, am I doing this because I want to get laid or am I doing this <laughs> because I like doing this, right. you know, throughout my whole teen years and into my 20s and 30s. And I think it's really important to check in with that, you know, not just about, you know, getting laid, that's, but just finding a partner. Sometimes all the things we do, we don't even realize that we're trying to make ourselves look better for a partner where mm -hmm. we really should be just trying to make ourselves feel better about mm. what we're doing. Yeah. I yeah. think a lot of people do that. You say in the book, you have to grow individually if you want to grow as a couple. And it seems simple, but it is, I think, often underestimated. Mm -hmm. and, and also hard. No one teaches us, you know, no. Uh, there, there was a, an ad I saw that really kind of, um, landed for me. I think it was a yogurt ad. I don't remember, but it was, <laughs> it was two people. Uh, they were now like in their eighties, uh, in separate bath bathtubs. Um, like I think it was over the grand Canyon, which just implies that they've come a long way. They're facing the same direction. They're kind of looking out into the world. And the only thing connecting them was their hand. They're holding hands in the separate bathtubs. Mm. And I saw it and I was like, Oh this is what healthy love looks like because the image that many have is two people in a jacuzzi on top of each other, facing each other, so um, true. which is sexy and feels good and all that, but uh, enmeshment and codependency and, you know, all everything that we're talking about where your, uh, uh, your level of differentiation of self is very low because you guys are so, you know, enmeshed and, and that feels amazing. Um, and I think, uh, because it feels amazing. It shoots a lot of dopamine. Um, that's what we trace. That's what we chase, but it's, it's not. And then we, then we don't know how to be alone. And we're mm -hmm. then dependent on that feeling. Yeah. Also, I think it creates an unrealistic expectation. Like, right. yeah, there's a moment where you're like, Oh, sharing a bathtub, facing each other and holding hands might be really nice for a while. <laughs> but honestly, no, that's really not what a healthy, sustainable relationship looks like over time. And the, it's, you're talking about the hot tub. You mean the hot tub? What did I say? I said uh, the bathtub, the bathtub. Oh, okay. <laughs> pardon me. Pardon me. This, this Get thing your tubs right. <laughs> yeah, come on. This thing has vents, excuse me. <laughs> okay. But it's true. And then you look at that as this ideal and then that's pretty hard to achieve. Like even if you do achieve it to maintain that, I don't know if I would think that's the healthiest relationship after. Yeah. No, I don't years. think so either. I think it's just about shared experience. As long as your shared mm -hmm. experience is strong, like you could be in separate cities, as long as you're looking at the same thing and appreciating it together. Mm -hmm. like 
it's always about, for me, that's what it's always been about. So yeah. you talk in the book about blueprints and how mm -hmm. they're keeping us from being happy. Could you explain this a bit? Yeah, uh, blueprints that are formed by um, advertising, uh, media, uh, locker rooms, our parents, right? That whole thing um, and that we may uh, be aware of or, or not be aware of um, instead of creating our own. Yeah. So when it comes to love, what love looks like, you know, what, what, what sex looks like, what, you know, all of, all of that stuff. I love how you worded it in the book. You talked about how, like you gave an example of a blueprint that wouldn't necessarily bring any fulfillment, which is like get married by 30, make babies mm -hmm. by 32 or whatever. And, and then you end up in this sort of cycle of unhappiness if you have not reached that when it's just sort of like the blueprint itself is, is what's flawed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I call it the American nightmare. It's the uh, whole <laughs> running toward the picket fence, um, you know, the the 2.2 kids. And I mean, it's okay to want those things. Um, but if that's what you're really running toward without work, uh, doing any work on your, yourself and uh, without looking inward, without doing anything, uh, I think you're setting yourself up for um, hardship and pain and dysfunction and all that. Okay. So since we're going to start now talking about that work, you know, it's doing the work, it's very catchphrasy to be like, Oh, do yeah. the work in a practical sense. You can be like, yeah, you want to work on yourself, expand your hobbies, your interests and your social circle, all the things. But a word that came up a lot when we polled our listeners was loneliness. Mm, yeah. You know how, even if logically, and our shandies are very logical thinkers. Logically, you can be like, yeah, I know I need to work on myself. Yeah, I haven't met anyone. And this is the time to, you know, work on, you know, I don't know, plant the, in the what? soil. What was yeah. it? Ho? So ho. 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 <laughs> ho. Ho. Around. Just ho. Just do a ho lot of ho. around that soil. <laughs> so let's say that person logically recognizes that, but really struggles with what can only be described as loneliness. Mm -hmm. What would you tell that person? Mm -hmm. uh, well, first, my book is called uh, "Single on Purpose, Not Single Forever." So I'm not saying <laughs> that you know I'm not mm -hmm. saying I'm not saying to go go uh, stop finding love and, and all that. Um, I think loneliness is a feeling like hunger, like you know being horny, like you know being tired. And the thing with loneliness is we internalize it. So instead of just feeling and allowing ourselves to be lonely, we, we tie it to our worth and we think, oh, because mm. I'm lonely, I'm defective, I'm less right. than. And th that's what's damaging is um, the residue. It's the internalization. Um, yeah, we, we are, we're social creatures. We're going to be lonely. We're going to be lonely if we don't have friends. We're going to be lonely. You know, we're not meant to do life alone. So uh, the loneliness is normal. So I would say uh, to be aware of it, to be compassionate, um, to accept and allow yourself to feel it instead of reject it, but don't tie your value, your worth, right? Just because you're lonely mm -hmm. doesn't mean that um, you're not uh, attractive or dateable or, you know, all those other things. Right. Would you say that's another top mistake people make is sort of wallowing? Yeah. Wallowing and making it mean more than it does yeah i think especially today with the uh, toxic um swipe culture i think it's yeah. it's it's really hard you know um did you did you guys uh, uh when you were single did you guys play around with dating apps and all that or no mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah we did we but did. i th we've been together now for almost eight years and i feel mm -hmm. like 
it's gone it's gotten so bad honestly since yeah. we've been together yeah. i'm really yeah. happy i missed out yeah i love how you described it as toxic because i feel like more attention needs to be paid to how toxic it is like it's not normal and along those lines just before just to interrupt what do you say to a woman because i feel like the dating apps have gotten to a point where it's turned the tables the mm. the, the the roles of women and men in dating and it's made it's put the women at a terrible disadvantage, I feel, and given the men an unfair advantage, which historically has not been there. It's been the opposite. The men mm-hmm. chase and the women are chased. And now it's kind of the opposite. Um, what do you say to a woman who's just like, she's done everything for herself, you know, and she's on these apps and it's just constant, like disappointment, disappointment, yeah. disappointment, ghosting, like she's doing everything right. And just the system, the way that the system is now with dating apps, it's just rigged against her. And that, what do you tell mm-hmm. someone who's just like spinning their wheels so frustrated? Yeah, I think um, you can't put all your chips on the dating app. I, I, don't, I, I think the dating app is one tool, right? Mm-hmm. right. Um, I, th- I think it starts with the intention of being open and meeting people. And whether it's, you know, running into someone at the supermarket or getting, uh, you know, hooked up with a friend or using a dating app. I mean, it's all, they're all okay. But I think today, because we live in a world where uh, everything is done through our phones and we want instant gratification, our food's delivered. You know, <laughs> if our Amazon package doesn't come in one day, then we're furious, right? Like stuff like right. that. So because of that, there, we put a lot of pressure on the app and the delivery of the app. So when it comes to dating, you know, we scroll through these pictures, which uh, are filtered. And then if it doesn't work out, we get very disappointed. But I, I, I don't I don't think it's um, I don't think it's a, it's alone. A dating app is going to find you mm-hmm. your partner. I mean, it can, but I don't think you should depend on that one tool. So mm-hmm. can you tell some of these women? And we've had this conversation and we've had. Fans oh, yeah, we talk about this all the time. All the time. <laughs> can you date without using the apps? Is it yeah, possible well, and can it sure. be done and is it fruitful? Yeah. And I wouldn't say to uh, not use them at all. I mean, I think the technology is great. I think you have to use a little spoon. And what I mean by mm-hmm. that is when you go get ice cream and they give you that little red spoon to taste instead of, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like yeah. you, you, do, you, you come home and you flip through it when you're feeling good about yourself, not when you're feeling shitty mm-hmm. uh, and, you, and you flirt and you do you know whatever you do on, on day and then you put it away. And then you also meet people, you know, on Instagram or uh, you know, at a party or whatever. And and then it doesn't have so much power over you. Um, a lot of people are just holding onto that app with two hands swiping mm-hmm. and they're just focusing, putting a lot of pressure on there, meeting people. Uh, the people uh, turn out to be uh, misleading or whatever, or they don't show up at all um, or they get catfished or whatever. And then they're like, fuck this. This is mm-hmm. exhausting. I don't want to. And then they get very discouraged. So um, use a small spoon and also only use it when you feel good about yourself. Don't use right. a dating app when you feel shitty and you're desperate. Mm-hmm. Ooh. I agree with that. Yeah, but you would I you can see how some people would turn to it to get sure. I don't know, an yeah. ego stroke. But well, what you're val- saying sure. is yeah, but that validation may turn into uh something much more insidious. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. Okay, that's good advice. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Question. Do yes. you think we must be content by ourselves before finding a partnership? Do you think it's I don't th- I don't think before because you know this idea of content being an island and once you get there it's like <laughs> it's not permanent, right? It's also mm. the problem I have with the word happy is like um oh, are you happy? Well, maybe today. I don't know what I'm going to be like an hour from now. Um I think it goes up and down, you know. And so um I don't think we put stuff on hold until uh, we are happy or content. I think um, 
we work on our happiness as we try to find someone that, that, that who deserves us. And then when we get into a relationship, we're constantly working on being content. Mm. I like how you put that in the book, too, about how it really is your own responsibility to continue to work on that, on your own yeah. happiness. It's not like think, you find this partner and now mm-hmm. it's their job. Exactly. Yeah. I think many people drop the ball there. And then that's why the relationship starts to, you know, crumble. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a lot of pressure to put on someone else. Yeah, I've done my work. All done now. Retired. Yeah, yeah, I found you. Now make me happy for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you think we seek life partners? This is a question from a Shandy, and I liked this one. Do you think we seek life partners because it's actually all that valuable or because it's expected of us? Man, I don't know. I know for myself, um, I, I haven't I haven't experimented with uh, other type of relationship models like open and poly and all that. I, I've only uh, been in monogamous relationships. So from that angle, um, I enjoy uh, doing nothing with someone. You know, I enjoy like um, building something with someone. I enjoy eating out with like I I don't. I don't like being alone, uh, although I'm okay with it. And I've been alone uh, many times. Um, I I don't think we're wired to be alone. I think we're social creatures. And so I think we're always going to gravitate toward uh, companionship in some form or another. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we like you said, we are social creatures. Mm-hmm. I just find that an interesting question because actually that ties into my next one. And this one actually also came up a lot more than I was expecting. And that is around... Feeling so comfortable by yourself that you're, you're several Shandies said, I'm so comfortable with myself that I am afraid it's like weird. Like I'm not really putting myself out there. I don't really feel the need for a relationship. Mm. Do you think that is counterintuitive in the long run or counterproductive? Do you think that could be harmful or do you think that that just is what it is? No, I think there's something underneath that. You know, and I think we, I know what you're talking about. Like if someone um, is single on purpose for a long time and they're like, I don't need anyone. Like, this is great. I, I, I want to be with myself for the rest of my life. I think there's um, some kind of fear, some kind of denial, some, you know, something underneath that. I, I don't, I don't know. Um, because if you are so comfortable with yourself, then why not? Why wouldn't you want to share that comfort with someone else? Like, wouldn't that get you to feel like, oh, I'm actually ready now, finally, to invest in something that's going to be meaningful? That is such a therapist response. (laughs) 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 It's like, but what's underneath that? (laughs) Let let me find out. Andy, we are heading back home to New York soon. Sure are. And what would you say you are most excited about? (sighs) I mean, this is a fed line, but I'm (laughs) sincere. I want to make it clear. I am most excited about getting into my luxurious, delightful, sweat-killing <laughs> cozy earth sheets. Yes, our cozy earth sheets we miss dearly. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like climbing into your own bed, but especially when it has cozy earth sheets on it. And cozy earth sheets are made with super soft viscose from bamboo. So not only is it insanely soft and cooling, but it's actually more sustainable as well. Bamboo, the most paradoxical plant on earth. <laughs> yes. Both incredibly hard and incredibly soft. Yes. And I, I would like to point out that I am wearing, not because we're doing an ad, <laughs> I am wearing Cozy Earth. Loungewear. Loungewear. Yeah. Is that what this is called? Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, they're I'm lounge lounging pants. in this and I wear <laughs> yeah. it. These Cozy Earth pants, I wear an embarrassingly 
Frequently. Frequent number of times. I wear these pretty much every day. Every day. I'm not kidding. Uh, it's pretty gross, <laughs> but they're delightful. Mm-hmm. I challenge you to tell me I'm wrong. Buy the Cozy Earth loungewear and say, Andy, you know what? You were wrong. I don't enjoy wearing this. <laughs> I challenge you. Yeah, it's very squishy, soft. And I got to say, since those arrived in the mail, you have been living in them. It's gross. <laughs> And always worth mentioning that Cozy Earth sheets have been on Oprah's most favorite things list for several years in a row now. And Oprah can't be wrong. Yep. She's done it to herself. (laughs) Once you're that big, you can't sell crap. Yeah. She's America's greatest curator and Mm -hmm. she cannot be bought. So she knows what she's talking about. Yes. So our audience can save a whopping 35% on Cozy Earth, but hurry, the offer ends soon. So don't wait. Go to CozyEarth.com. Enter the code Shandy to save 35%. That's CozyEarth.com, promo code Shandy, CozyEarth.com. Okay, let's say you you have it all figured out. You've done the work. You, you, you know that you're happy single and you're working on yourself, but you have a friend or multiple friends who routinely lose themselves in codependent relationships. Sure. What advice would you give to someone helping someone else? You know, um, the whole helping other people... Uh, <sighs> I, no one's going to, um, take advice until they're ready to hear it, you know? And I think, um, with our friends, because we care about them and we want them to do well, uh, we give a lot of advice and it just, it just falls flat because they're not ready to listen to it. Uh, so they're going to have to want to change on their own for themselves. You know, um, it's like, it's like if you have someone who, um, is out of shape, um, and you tell them what to do and what to eat and the programming and all that. And you, you just give it, give them exactly if they just do this, it's going to work. Uh, if they don't actually want to do it, it's, they're not going to do anything. So they have to actually have that inner desire. Um, and so, yeah, I think that comes from the individual. I don't think we can um, give someone that. Do you think someone could say something to just plant the seed or I'm just curious? Yeah. Yeah. What you do is, um, you know, you go out to coffee with them and they're telling you about their codependent relationship or abusive or whatever, and you hear them and you support them. And then you start asking them questions instead of saying, here, this is what you need to do. You mm. need to leave that guy. You, you, you say, uh, you know, things like, well, how does that make you feel about yourself? What kind of relationship do you want? You know? Is it worth being in? Like just questions and questions, uh, using questions as kind of the rudder. I find that a lot more powerful than saying, hey, listen, this is what you need to do. I have the answers, you know? So you're you're coming with your friend instead of at your friend. So so not the Bob Newhart. I know you know what I'm talking about. The Bob Newhart, stop it. Have you ever, (laughs) you've never seen that? No, 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 no. Are you kidding? You, the first thing I thought when I saw that you were like the angry therapist, I thought there's a there's a sketch. It was on SNL, Bob Newhart, comedian from way back. He did uh, a sketch where he's a therapist and this woman comes in. She's got all these problems, you know, like, oh, he says, stop it. Stop yeah, it. And he's just like, you know, I have a very special technique. It's five dollars and it's only going to take about two or three minutes at most. And then all he says is stop it. That's yeah. all he says. And it's and I. I honestly feel like I'm sort of torn. Sometimes I feel like there are special cases where someone needs that. Sure. sure. And I don't know. I don't know. Do you ever do that? Do you ever just want to like shake someone? Yeah. Like oh, stop the doing the same mistake over and over yeah, again. Of course. No matter how um, much you tell them to stop and how um, you tell them why they should stop. Yeah. All the time with clients, with friends, with, you know. Um, but then I kind of stop myself. And then, I mean, you're right. There's also value in the um, the slap in the face, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's value in... Um, 
calling someone out on their shit. There's value mm-hmm. in all of that, but it's not valuable until it's earned. And so if that's all you do, it, you're not going to earn that trust. So right. um, first, creating a safe space, listening, supporting, right, being right, empathetic, right. Sure. that produces glue, that builds trust. And then once in a while, hey, listen, this is what I think you need to do. <laughs> then it lands really hard. Then they're like, you know, right. right. Yeah. yeah. Right. You got to earn the stop it. It holds yes. more weight. <laughs> you got to earn the stop it. I like that. I, mm-hmm. You get more yeah. out of asking questions. It, it's it's very true. Than telling yes. people as frustrating true. as it may be at times. I kind of feel like that can be applied to many things in oh, life. Yeah. Oh sure. yeah, everything. Humans everything. in yeah. general. Yeah. And it's also it's also harder to ask someone um, an interesting and and a question that's going to lead to a revelation than just pointing a finger. That's easy. Yeah. It's, it's interesting when I was watching a debate between two, Sam Harris and some Canadian, I forget his name, mm-hmm. famous mm-hmm. Canadian philosopher. And it was interesting the way they, it was like a two hour debate about religion. And the way they opened it was, is their technique was to explain to the other person what they believe. And, and so, so basically this is what you believe, correct? And then they keep saying that. And so they basically reinforce it. They're like, I'm listening to what you believe mm, in right. and I'm echoing what you believe in. And this is what we're going to discuss. It's supposed to be, this is what I believe yeah, in. Yeah. What you believe in is wrong. Yeah. You know, it's just an interesting style of how to get to a place where you can have a conversation with a person. I would also think an underutilized style. Well, nowadays, particularly. I mean, everyone's right out of the gate with a baseball bat. Right, right. Um, What you just said is a great model to start um, if you want to talk to your partner about some kind of conflict. Mm Because what we do say is, hey, here's what you're doing wrong, whatever. Uh, But but instead, if you say, hey, here's what I'm hearing from you. This Mm -hmm. is where you're coming from. Um, then people feel heard. And when people feel heard, guards come down. Exactly. And, you know, you can try to understand um, instead of trying to be understood. So, right. uh, yeah, that's that's actually really good. That It's very powerful. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's say you're in a happy, loving, healthy partnership, but you you might find yourself sort of becoming codependent. You know, you, you just enjoy each other so much. You know, we, we all know what that feels like. And like you said, it's, it's a high. How would you advise someone maintain their individuality and independence while in a loving relationship? Yeah. First, um, uh, codependency isn't just, um, you know, enjoying someone so much. Uh, it, it's, it's this, uh, uh, I mean, there's a spectrum of it, but, um, mm-hmm. My, my girlfriend's also a therapist and, and she specializes in codependency and I love her definition. She says, uh, if you're okay, I'm okay. If you're not okay, I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. That's, that's codependency, right? Mm-hmm. So where if something is, I, I used to be codependent and I, I thought, um, if you go down, I'll go down with you, which mm-hmm. I think is romantic and sexy. And if I go down, you go down with me, you know, it's, it's us against the world. Right. And that's mm-hmm. very high school love. Um, healthy means if you go down, I'll give you my hand, not my life. Right. I'll support ah. you. Um, I'm not willing to, to lose my sense of, not because I don't love you. Um, but I'm not willing to lose my sense of self and who I am because you're in a bad place. Right. I will support you as much as I can without losing me. Mm. Right. If you can't so. hold on to my hands, you're going off the cliff. It's your problem. <laughs> I gave I'm you gonna my grip hand. really hard. I got a strong hand. <laughs> the, end, the end of the Titanic. <laughs> did, did, I think did he offer the hand? I don't remember. They but, just went yeah. in the water together, I think. I don't Yeah, they were holding hands, I think, when they jumped. Yeah, but off. she so should have taken the boat. Cause then he could have had that. Yeah. 
They the both, driftwood. They both made some poor decisions, but in the end, <laughs> one of them survived, so we can't criticize them that much. That's true. Yeah. Okay, so advice on how one could maintain that individuality. Yes, uh, the simple answer is to get a life. Um, and and <laughs> I, I, know, I know it sounds mean, but have your own friends. You know, go to the gym. Um, what lights you up? What are you pursuing? Uh, have your own taste in music, movies, food. Like, actually... Um, don't bleed into uh, someone invisible because you're scared of what your partner is going to say or like, you know, there, there's relationships are about compromise, but not compromise of self. So um, be your own person. You know, it's actually hard to do. You know, as I'm saying this, um, I, I myself struggle with it. It's, you know, I'm trying to like do I'm the do as I uh, say, not as I do therapist. <laughs> um, because when you when you get into a relationship, especially if you're living with a person and you're, you know, uh, sharing everything, it's just easy to um, lose yourself. It feels good, you know, mm -hmm. um, it does. But to, to have your own life, because you end up like, you're, I don't want friends. I'm with you. I love hanging out with you. you yeah. Know? I have more fun with you than with other people. Why right. would I bother? Yeah. Right. Oh, you want to watch that? I'll watch that because I love you. Oh, you want to eat that? I'll eat that too. Yeah, I prefer something else, but I'm doing this for you because I love you. Like, it, it could go that way, you know, over time. Mm -hmm. um, then you wake up one day and, you, and you're like... Um, Michael J. Fox, when he couldn't get his parents together in Back to the Future, and that <laughs> photograph is just dissolving. Face. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, the most ridiculous plot hole ever. Like, how, why would it fade? <laughs> It wouldn't fade. It would just be there or not be there. That's your takeaway. Oh, that right, was right. my problem. Is that the most absurd that thing about Back to the Future? That was my problem with the movie. It was the photograph. <laughs> Everything else made total sense. Uh, oh, I mean, I like that answer. Yeah, it's Get a, a good life. Answer. Get a life. That's yeah. a very angry therapist answer. In, in a relationship <laughs> or outside of a relationship. I always, oh, yeah, yeah. You, you know the, um, was it Mario, but Nintendo, where the ghosts that kill you, if you look at them, you can't look at them. Yeah. Right. I see that as like relationships. I was thinking about that the other day. Okay. They're in the, the Nintendo, there's these ghosts that follow Mario around. And if he looks at them, they stop. But if he mm -hmm. turns away, they chase him. And I oh, feel that that's the way with, with partners, whether it's same sex, opposite sex, when you're focusing on something else, yeah, when you're, looking you're ahead. doing your own saying. thing and looking that way and out at the world, you're going to have them chasing. And when you're staring at them, like they're going <laughs> to, but I think it's not also just about having like being chased. It's about the ghost, like the ghost consumes you. Oh, it's, it's right? the, the metaphor doesn't work at all <laughs> in the game. The game totally doesn't work. But but the concept of like looking at something and it not moving towards you, but looking away and it moving towards you is what I'm getting at. And it's like mm -hmm. if you focus on yourself in or out of a relationship. Oh, and that's a good point. You you attract yes, more. You attract oh, the ghost. That was a, a slow play, but you got there. Yeah, it was, that, it was winding. I think that's like a life rule, not only with relationships, but um, the ghost can be work. The ghost can be, you know, a, a goal. It can be anything, yeah. I think. Mm -hmm. um, whenever you're aligned with desperation or uh, what I say a lot, exchanging your truth from membership, I think you are chasing and not attracting. Right. You know, so for me, most of my 20s and 30s, it was that it was um, chasing and nothing could happen because I was in a lower frequency. And then after my divorce, rebuilding my life, going back to school, doing all the stuff, um, I slowly started to uh, stand on my truth. And I started to more uh, be in an attracting state. And I don't think it happens overnight, but gradually um, I started meeting people, opportunities, you know, things started happening, falling from the sky. And I think that is a lot of what you're talking about mm -hmm. Um attracting instead of chasing. Yep. <laughs> that was 
very kind and generous and of him to take it, it in like, that direction. You liked his explanation better than my Mario Brothers? <laughs> well, so speaking of frequency, because you do talk about frequency as well, for anyone who's not familiar with that term, can mm, you describe yeah. what you mean by low frequency versus higher frequency? Yeah. yeah um, I used to live in dread and worry. I used to think the sky was falling. I was in a panic state, fight or flight. Um, and that's very, that's very, <laughs> someone's pointing a finger, <laughs> which is, which is something we said not to do. Remember, you, you, you have to ask him questions. You can't be pointing. She literally pointed a finger. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Andy, would you say that you live in a state of worry and dread? I, I believe the sky is falling. It's a fact. <laughs> Don't judge me for it. So was my point validated then? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank Sorry. you for hearing so, out my side of the story. Please continue. Um, so lower frequencies, yeah, like worry, dread, you know, um, hopelessness, pessimism, all of that. Um, also like, you know, anger, jealousy, mm -hmm. um, shame. Shame is probably one of the lowest. Guilt, all of that. Uh, and then higher frequencies would be, I mean, at the top, I think love, but um creativity, uh, hope, um, flow. I'm really into flow and chasing flow states. Um, spontaneity, maybe spontaneity. Sure. Uh, gratitude. That's a big one. Mm -hmm. So trying to live when you're aware, cause we dip right throughout the day, depending on what happens in our life. Um, I didn't have the tools to pull myself up. So I would hit worry and dread and I would stay there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, to be aware of that and see if you can change your frequency, if you could live higher um, without something, you know, you don't have to win the lottery. Like, like, like it happens because you have the ability to, um, not because you're, it's contingent on something else happening or someone loving you or someone else says yes and no, you know. Mm. When you say the tools, can you maybe give a few examples? The tools yeah, to it can like be lift any, yourself? Sure. It depends on, on, on what you do, but it could be anything from, you know, someone's meditation practice to, um, I have this uh, Harley here and I use it as a, uh, a tool to get out of my head. Right. So mm -hmm. even something like a motorcycle can be a therapeutic tool. Uh, I make sure I work out every day or move, do some kind of movement. Um, you know, all of that. So like the, the, the stuff, whatever works for you, um, the stuff that gets you out of that lower frequency and gets you to uh, live on a higher plane. Mm. I yeah. love how so much of your messaging is around things that you yourself have gone through. Like you're very mm -hmm. candid about your tough times. And like you said, having lived in a lower frequency and not having had the tools. Thus, I think you're the perfect person to ask, what advice would you give to someone who is single and haunted by regret? Mm. They can't sort of move on from that. I think we all know what yeah. that feels like. Yeah. The rumination. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, depending on what the regret is, what do they regret? Let's say, well, this particular Shandy, the question was around having ended a near decade long relationship and mm. within six months, I think he had met and married someone else or something and she was mm. devastated. And, you know, of course on the surface you're like, oh yeah, it ended cause it was broken, that kind of thing. But what would you tell someone like that who, I mean, she did make a decision, but right. she's still feels regretful. What I, of course you're going to ask a million questions because you're the therapist, but I don't have much more information than that about her story. It's, it's, it just, I just want to make an analogy to that. It's, Oh, I, I hate that. And I've done it. Everyone's done that, mm -hmm. but it's like, it's the same advice you give in like investing, right? If you make 
money on a stock mm-hmm. and then you sell the stock and you're like, wow, I made a lot of money. And then mm-hmm. the stock goes up 5,000%. Yeah. And you're like, bang, right, you're right. like, ah, oh, damn it, I'm such an idiot. It's right. such a terrible way to live. And, I, and I'm guilty of this. Yeah. Very so. I think much we all so. are. And I, and, and I think that's a perfect example of like, she broke off the relationship. First of all, breaking off a relationship, especially a 10 year one, takes an enormous amount of energy and overcoming inertia, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she should have trusted in her decision. Like if she did it, it was the right decision. Who cares what happens? Who cares if he becomes president of the world? And, you know, who cares? It doesn't matter. But anyway, I'll let I John mean, answer. I mean, a good segue, I feel, John, would be in the book, you talk about expired relationships. Yeah, I love how you yeah. word that. You know, it's one thing to be like, oh, it's like it's over, but expired. That's what this mm-hmm. question has me yeah. thinking is sort of yeah, regretting um, something that really had gone bad. Mm-hmm. I uh, used that word for myself after, so uh, my ex-wife divorced me. I didn't want the divorce. It kind of cut me at the knees. And um, I would have a lot of, if I only did this, if I had more money, if whatever, you know, uh, my penis was bigger. If I I had all these things that I was playing in my head. um, But if I started to think of it as the relationship actually expired. Right. Mm-hmm. What if um, it wasn't meant to go any any further? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it played out its its course and its purpose. Yeah. It allows me to accept more than to say she broke up with me. Mm-hmm. The other thing about uh, someone breaking up with you, it's very easy to, then to get into victim mode. Someone did something to you, and then when you're in victim mode, um, it, that's speaking of lower frequencies. That's one of the lowest. You know, mm-hmm. it's um it's the to me instead of uh, the higher frequency, which is through me. Right. So mm. you kind of create your own prison. Um, and a lot of people who uh, have that mindset, it's not just with relationships. It's everywhere in their life. Something happened to them. They got fired. This, And they just nothing ever good happens to them because they're just a victim. That's how they see themselves. So if you say something has expired uh, and I know some people have a problem with that because they're like, what were you saying? Like relationships are like milk. Like, what are you saying? It, it cheapens the <laughs> most, relationship. Most of them are. yeah. <laughs> some of them are. I, I don't want to minimize the relationship. I don't want to cheapen it. But the word expired uh, has really helped me in many of my relationships. Accept it. Accept mm-hmm. it. I get it. It wasn't meant to go. Um, you know, and there's something, um, a learning. It's going to be a catalyst to something. And I trust that. Right. I, so I like going. That. Yeah. Hey, and also, that. I like that too. When, when you were saying about the uh, the stock thing, which is hilarious, I was thinking. Um, so my mom's old school Korean, and um, if she won the lottery, I always tell the story that um, the first thing she would say, if she won two hundred million dollars, the first thing she would say is, "Fuck the taxes, I got to pay." On- <laughs> instead of like okay instead of the fact that you have 100 million coming (laughs) that's more my mother than me don't don't put that on me i'd be very happy with a 200 million dollar lottery winning i mean andy has you you would only get 100 though (laughs) wait what (laughs) yeah you yeah. always say that whenever we watch Survivor, you're like, well, they that's don't different. actually Survivor's win a million only a million dollars. <laughs> that, and when they're done with that, that's actually not much. But um, 200 million will do the trick, I think. Yeah, yeah that's funny. Yeah. Um, but that's a mindset and that's a habit and that's a pattern. And, yeah. you know, it uh, can lead to, you know, a little bit of a lower frequency and all that. Yeah. Anyway, That's a great way to look at it. Yeah. Okay, so this is sort of like a sidestep question, Mm -hmm. but what would you tell someone who is trying to keep the faith in their search for a partner, but they're faced Mm -hmm. with disappointment over and over again? Any tools or tips for how to stay positive? Yeah, that's so hard. I think it's one of the hardest things about being single is not knowing when or if you're going to meet someone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So for me, if, cause I've been in many relationships, there's no reason that's going to suddenly stop. Um, so it was, it, for me, it was more like the ticking clock was, wasn't me getting older. It was, well, I'm going to meet someone. I don't know when I'm going to meet this person. Um, I better get to work. I want to be the best version of myself. I want to be, you know, fit. I want to uh, have a, a purpose. I want to build something. I want to be connected to myself. I want to learn how to communicate. Like I, I want to do all that. I know this person's coming. I don't know when they're coming. So it, that's kind of how I looked at it. And I just got busy every day, you know? I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. That's the it's, way to do it. Yeah, like you you turn the tables. It's no longer like, oh, when will this person come so then I can be happy? Or like instead of focusing on the disappointments, like, oh, the clock is ticking. I need to work on myself. Yeah. I only yeah, have you this know, much more time single. Yeah, but you're going to be with yourself no matter what. That's true. Yeah, you're stuck with yourself. You might as well be with someone good being with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and speaking of questions, you know, the reframe there is most people are like, when is this person coming? Which mm. I think is a really bad, a dangerous question. Mm-hmm. It's, it's who do you want to be when, you, when, he, when he or she comes? Right. Ooh. You know, bring it back to you. Who do you want to be? Point. How do you want to be? What's yeah. going to be different this time? Uh, oh, I like that. It's so reflective to take it in that direction because it does sort of feel like people are just sort of waiting for. Yeah, lots of waiting. Yeah, a lot of waiting yeah. for, for something that resembles, I don't know, a, like a, a knight <laughs> in shining armor yeah. to just sort of take all the things that haunt you about yourself away. But yeah. but they don't even know what they want. They, 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 have, they don't know what their true needs are. Well, someone who focuses on it like that. Yeah. But I love that. Like, yeah, who I, do I want to be it's great. in that relationship? It's a great way to look at it. And also, I don't know if it's true for you guys, but um, whenever we meet someone, it's always like the most unexpected. And it's also not someone who we even imagined, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. 100%. Yeah. Sorry, that was a, I had a really big reaction. <laughs> yeah, Char- Charlene, Charlene really wanted to marry a good looking guy. Right. Yeah, she always dreamed about that. No, it's so true. Like, it's unexpected, but in the best way. It's like an mm-hmm. ice cream flavor that you've never tried. And you're like, whoa, right. this, I have tasted every other flavor. I already yep. know this is my favorite one ever. Yeah. I don't need to taste it. Right. Right. Yeah. Turmeric flavor ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're like, oh, interesting. <laughs> Okay, great answers. All right. So let's say you're reaching a point where, you know, you, you've gotten a life, you're you're working on yourself, and you now have to deal with the judgment of society, the people oh, around you. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, let's say you're getting so-called encouragement from friends or family, like, oh, you'll find someone, you know, that kind of thing, or or even just sort of feeling behind, like friends and family are maybe getting married, making babies, and you just sort of feel this urgency. Yeah, that's real. I get it. Um, that's the other ticking clock you're talking about, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I know that relationships are hard, and I know that everyone who presents themselves as being, you know, the perfect couple, um, that's impossible, right? They have their own struggles and all of that. And so um, I would, I don't know if I would say it out loud, it might be kind of me, but I, I would be like, uh, I'm not ready to be in a relationship because the, the relationship, the kind of relationship I want, I, I, I want, I want the best relationship. I want the relationship that is um, the most healthy. I want to bring the best version of myself. And so, um, me being single, uh, it doesn't mean that I, I have less. It actually means I have more of a chance than you do because I know you're, I know you guys are, you know, not you guys, but I know that, <laughs> I know that you guys are struggling and I know, you know, whatever. Um, so yeah. So being single then, then I think a lot of people say that to single people because they're jealous because 
they have already, you know, now they're in something and it's a lot of work. Um, and, and I, I don't, you know, I think it has more to do with their own story than the fact that the friend is single. Okay. Yeah. So maybe try to remember that when dealing with people, I, that would drive me crazy. Oh yeah. This is just yeah. sometimes the judgment from other people. Is well, really- I think it also pressures people to settle. Oh, 100 yeah, percent. Like, okay, I got to yeah. end this. I got to end this. Yeah. I can't be that person anymore. Whoever yeah. everyone sees. And that's another. Say, yeah, go ahead. Why, why does me being single um, have such a reaction in you? What's going on in you that my singleness is? Right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That's yeah. a great question. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Turn I, it on them. I want to have the balls why to say that. Why do you care? <laughs> Idiot. Yeah. No one, no one, no one has the balls to say that. By the way, yeah. <laughs> I want to be the person. I want to be the person who does. Here's the thing: is like if the kind of if the person said that to you, I feel like like they're not close enough to you where it would be worth going there. Does that yeah, make sense? Right. Yeah. right. It's always it's not we, worth the energy. Yeah, yeah, it's like the Larry David method. What's we're, we're the Larry not, David method? Is doing those things. <laughs> it's true. All it's, the time. Oh, we just be blunt. Right? Yeah, with yeah. everybody, no matter yeah. what the yeah. situation. It's fun to watch. It is. But again, I don't but have a boss. hard to do. Okay, final question for you, John, and then we're going to let you go. Do you think in today's dating climate, a single person still needs to be super proactive about dating? Or do you think that if they work on themselves, if they, you know, they build it, they will come. Do you think finding happiness within themselves will make the, f- the pieces fall into place? There's this kind of ebb and flow to the whole single journey. And um, I think you have to gauge because it's different for everyone. I think you have to gauge at what point are you being open and pro- proactive uh, and it's healthy. And then at what point are you now being desperate you know, doing, doing more than you should, putting mm. a lot of weight on certain things. And you have to gauge that because no one can tell you what, what that is for you. And, and it's like me going, me saying the whole thing about the, using a little spoon for the dating apps, um, get a life, <laughs> find meaning, put yourself out there, set the intention, tell the universe that you are looking for a partner, but also have non-negotiables and, and, and don't, don't chase after it so much that you start to lose all the work that you've been doing. And no, no one can tell you where that is, like on the equalizer, except mm-hmm. you. You just got to be really honest with yourself. I love that you just used the word desperate because one of my favorite quotes from your book was, stop asking yourself if you will ever find the kind of person you've always dreamed of. Maybe you won't. But if that shakes your world, the last thing you need right now is a relationship because that desperation will only poison whatever mm-hmm. relationship you do find yourself mm-hmm. in. It'll yep. make the relationship lopsided. Yeah. I just loved that. So true. Yeah, I feel like, you know, the word desperate, desperation, it is sort of this... It smells. There's an odor to desperation. (laughs) Yeah, I don't love that word in general because I feel like it has, you know, all these negative connotations, but it should have negative Mm -hmm. connotations because if you allow it in even subconsciously, I do think it does produce a lopsided... You could be desperate in other things. You could be desperately hungry or, you know, (laughs) desperate to, like, save yourself from some more torn situation. (laughs) But you should not be desperate in love ever. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Ever. Bad luck. And it's hard, you know? You know, sometimes we find uh, someone that we think is amazing and they don't feel the same way about us. And so, you know, there's that kind of like, oh, what can I do to get this person or, you know, capture this person um, there's that lining of desperation. Um, so just being aware of it and knowing that, it, yeah, it, it doesn't lead to anything good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love you're, it. You're building on sand. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Do you, were you going to say something? No, I was going to say that you, uh, John, John Kim, you are called the angry therapist and mm-hmm. I'm a little disappointed by the level of anger I've seen. 
today. I'm, I'm 48. Uh, you would have been more <laughs> impressed if you met me at 20 because uh, I would have been okay. throwing chairs and yelling and talking over you guys. Um, <laughs> turns out it doesn't work. <laughs> so you're the formerly angry therapist. Yeah, it just doesn't have a ring to it. Or also, you know, the, the happy, th- no one cares about the happy therapist. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so true. So true. Yeah. The last I, thing I, you want is a happy therapist. <laughs> that just is going to piss people off. Uh, I, I, um, I was angry. I was unhappy. Mm. I was, you know, like my book, I was very miserable and all of that. Yeah. I thought it was funny that a therapist was angry, but, um, it is funny. Anyway, yeah. I love how you humanize the therapist in general. I've got to say, mm-hmm. because I mean, so Andy was, uh, Previously engaged to a therapist, actually. Mm-hmm. I was. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, a good one. And you've always said, you know, therapists have their issues, too. And yeah. that's how they learn. Yeah. I don't want a normal. I don't want someone who's had a perfectly nice life being my therapist. What do they know? A they don't know therapist. anything. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just love how you sort of pull back the curtain that, you know, therapists are human. And it actually, mm-hmm. I think, only validates the advice you give even more is to yes. know that you've lived it. You 100%. Know? Yeah. I tried to tuck my shirt in. I tried the, um, you know, the wrinkle-free pants and I tried to be quote unquote a therapist. It just, again, it was me, um, exchanging my truth for membership. It, I felt desperate. It didn't feel right. And so, um, I got on Tumblr and I started blogging back in the day Wow. and yeah, I got tattoos, got a bike. I just started to like meet people at the park. I started to do things that, um, raised some eyebrows and I was like, you know what? I, I like, this is how I want to do it. I don't want an office. I, I wear a t-shirt. I'll just, I'll meet you at the park and we'll go sit, uh, uh, you know, on the bench and talk about life. If we're going to do life, let's uh, talk about life. Let's do life while we're talking. Mm, yeah, lovely. Like That's a yeah. perfect, perfect place to wrap. It is. John Kim, you were a delightful guest. Thank you for sharing your oh, wisdom thank you. with us today. Well, thank, thank you guys you for much. having me and uh, creating this important conversation. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. All right. We'll okay. be in touch. Okay. Be Have well. a good night. Uh, well, he was lovely. Yeah, I liked him. He had a good energy. Yeah. Would you say his energy was high frequency? It was extremely <laughs> high frequency. It was hurting my ears. <laughs> yeah, no, I love his messaging. There's yeah. a simplicity to it that I feel mm-hmm. like we as humans have sort of veered away from. Yeah. You know, just like the ideas of like gratitude and creativity being high frequency. We're so focused on so many. There's so much distraction and things yeah. to buy and, and places to go and people to maybe try to befriend. And it's just so distracting mm-hmm. from what would really bring us joy. It really was a, it was a good twist on what usually is just someone saying, be more positive. Yes. I hate that. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> no, it's true. Show, tell me exactly what you're taught. Show me. What does that mean to mm-hmm. be positive? And the way he described it with the high frequency, low frequency really resonated at the right frequency with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, that's the way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. He those t- are the those are the geographical places yeah. of positivity, not just be positive. He talks in the book a lot about, you know, remembering a time before life got to you, before mm-hmm. adulthood got before, you know, adulting. Yeah. came your way and you got jaded and got fired and got heartbroken and and had a hard time paying your bills and you know just mm. life got in the way i'm reminded of that counting song on youtube oh one it's like two three counting. four no five, no no six, it's seven. counting 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 oh, counting right. is a lot of fun <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> how counting's fun when you're like three, right, but and then, then later on, it's a total nightmare. Yeah. It reminds me of that. And there's real truth in that. Like mm. the things that brought you joy as a child when you're older are like, you're looking at everything through a different lens. It's colored very differently. Mm -hmm. But he talks in the book a lot about trying to tap back in to what brought you that joy and his comparison. You know, he he's big into motorcycles. He, when he was a little boy, would get on this little bike and just he would get lost in the mm -hmm. best way when he yeah. would just go wheeling down the street. And of course that's like a simple example, but I do think that there are, there are many versions that one can take with that. And, uh, yeah, I like that. It really got me thinking. It made me want to tap back into my inner child. You should, you should tap right, right in there. I tap right in yeah. there. <laughs> I, I just think overall his messaging is really important. It's like you, you can't just find a partner. If you want a partner, you can't just go and find a partner. It's mm -hmm. not like you go shopping for it, even yeah. though the apps nowadays make it certainly seem like you're yes. going shopping. It's yeah. not like that. You have to be something that someone wants to buy and you have mm. to be the thing that looks good on the person that you want. Yeah. No, that's a good point. You no, know, it's so it's like people, people are just looking, you have to look at it. And I hate, I don't know. I'm going to say this. Yeah, you're so looking at it through the looking glass. Why didn't you want to say that? I hate that. <laughs> Doesn't feel good saying. Yeah, why? This is such a cliche. Well, but so it's true. If there's one thing I've learned from doing this podcast for almost a year and a half, it's that there are a shit ton of cliches mm -hmm. when it comes to giving dating advice and just yes. sort of li life advice in this case. Yes. You know, there are cliches for. There reason. really are. There's a and and you know what? Cliches, as much as you should avoid saying them, are almost <laughs> all true. For the most part, yes. Yeah. They're all the, cliches is a broad term, but the sayings, all yeah. the sayings that you're like, are you really giving me that saying? Yeah. It's like, what? thanks, dad. You know, like, I don't want to hear that. But they're all true. If anything, There's a reason why they're sayings. If anything, as you get older, they become more true. You realize as you get older that they were all true. Yeah. And you should have just listened to your annoying teachers, your annoying parents. They were all right. Yeah. They were all right. <laughs> It's true. There was a line from his book that I was hoping we'd touch on, but we didn't. So I'm just going to single it out now mm. because again, the word loneliness and being lonely did come up a lot. And I think it's, it's so much easier said than done to be like, it's just a feeling like you'll get oh, over yeah, it, yeah, you know, right. Oh, loneliness, you'll sure. be fine. So he said, ask yourself, what if you never find a partner? This giant, what if you keep asking yourself is preventing you from truly living Mm -hmm. Instead, you are waiting around for something to happen to you, and that waiting produces the feeling of loneliness. But it's actually not loneliness you're struggling with. At the core, it's the deep belief that you will always be alone. It's hopelessness. Yes. Yes. I you, love uh, that. That's beautiful. Yeah. The differentiation between loneliness and hopelessness. Mm -hmm. It's very dangerous, I think, to mix the two up. Yeah. Well, hopelessness is, as he was saying, it's an inward. It's like, I am useless. I can't do anything. There's mm -hmm. nothing for me. Yeah. Loneliness without that is just like, I'm, I'm sad. You know, I'm alone, mm -hmm. but let's see what I can do while I'm alone. Yes, exactly. The word that really stands out to me here is always. Mm -hmm. Like hopelessness comes from thinking you will always be right. alone. Right. There's no fixing it. Yeah. It's broken. You're exactly. broken. Yeah. While true loneliness, I think, is mm. temporary. I don't think my Mario ghost metaphor got enough respect. <laughs> I, I'm doubling no, down there. No, you know what? It kind of came out of left field, but the more I think about it, the more true it is. I think that it's 
it, it didn't quite line up with what we were talking about at the time, but I think it actually was, it applies to so much. Everything. It applied to the whole conversation. Yes, I put it in the place where it probably wasn't perfect. Yeah. But everything we talked about, don't, don't look at the thing. I'm now only doing video game analogies. <laughs> My work here is done. Yeah, you did a good job. <laughs> well, Andy, I think that was lovely. He was delightful. I liked him. Real down to earth guy. No mm -hmm. nonsense. Angry. I'm not sure. <laughs> but therapist. Yes. I love how even honest about that he is. Yeah. He's just like, no one cares about the happy therapist. No one cares. Yep. Happy therapist. Unhappy patient. Unhappy therapist. <laughs> happy patient. 100% of the time. 85%. All right. Well, if you enjoy today's chat, you should really check out John Kim's book, Single on Purpose. It's delightful. It reads like a chat with a friend, mm -hmm. a friend with a potty mouth. Even better. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> What's that? I, I don't know what to say about that. Well, every time I hear someone say potty mouth, I, I get uncomfortable. It's, 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 uh, it's a strange, strange thing. Strange thing to say. What do you mean? What are you, where are you going with this? Potty mouth is just normal. That's everything is potty mouth. <laughs> like I'm always potty mouth. Oh, I see what you're saying. It's like pointing out that the sky is blue. It's like saying, like when someone says like, oh, bon appetit. Like, oh, yeah, I yeah. know, I eat food. I, I actually, put it in my stomach. I get it. I, I want to be hungry okay. for eating. I, I don't want to hear about it. I loathe bon appetit because I think it's redundant. So you're yes. right. I take it back. It's having a chat yeah. with a friend. The guy who's real. A just guy talking who's real. real. <laughs> potty mouth. <laughs> what are you, 90? <laughs> Sometimes I think I am in spirit. I'm like, what are the kids saying now? <laughs> do, you Actually, any, do, you have, do you have any like like hard sucking candies in a bowl <laughs> that are like really stale? On Where your, there's on originals? Your coffee table, yeah. <laughs> Actually, that gets me thinking. I got my hair cut the other day by uh, a lovely young lady who was mm. in her 20s. And she was teaching me all like the new terms, Ooh, the dating terms. Nice. Apparently to be cuffed up means you're in a committed relationship. It's like the new going steady. Mm. Cuffed up. Eh, I'm okay with it. <laughs> oh, it's fine. You could accept yeah, that I'm one. Good. Okay, want me to tell you another one? Yeah, I would like you to. I wrote them down. Another one is to swerve. It's like if you're getting kind of sketchy, like you're like the person's not responding consistently, or it's like it seems like potential red flags. It's like they're Can you swerving. Use that in a sentence, please. <laughs> I, I would I would insist upon I'm too it. old to attempt it. Te please go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, Tom hasn't texted me back since our second date. And then the person B says, Oh, it sounds like he's swerving. Oh. I and I and I also meant to ask you, how are your grandchildren doing? <laughs> okay, and final one, third one, last but not least. To go ham. To go ham? Yeah. What does that mean? It's to like go full throttle. It's like, I'm going to go all out. Go ham. Yeah. Oh, I'm okay like with she was that. Talking, we were talking about cutting my hair. And I'm like, yeah, I want long layers, but not like not too long, not too short. And she's like, don't worry, I won't go ham. I is was that like, a dating thing or is that just everything? That's oh, that's just, just life. Anything. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Got it. Just general terminology. I, I'm okay with, I like cuffed up and I like ham. A swerve is uh, it's fine. Yeah. But I like the, those those other two. Okay. It's good stuff. I'm glad. I'm going to start using them. I'm going to be cool and hip. Okay. Same. same. Instantly. Instantly. It's all it takes. I'm just going to say ham all the time. <laughs> Everything's ham. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, Andy, do you feel good to wrap here? I do. If you enjoy Dear Shandy, you know what we're going to ask of you, and that is to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, follow us on Instagram, tell your friends, Mm -hmm. leave us Apple podcast ratings and reviews, and generally do all the things you would do to keep a podcast that you enjoy in business. Thriving. Thriving. Because we need you. We need each other. We do. We are in a (laughs) committed relationship. We are in a... Codependent Co-dependent relationship. relationship. <laughs> we are in mesh. <laughs> Help us. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on Dear Shandy. Bye. <laughs>